Welcome back to episode 24. We're just one episode away from giving away the Kafaru 14er. All you have to do is go and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And remember, I didn't tell you you had to give me a good review. Just give us a review. So on the 25th episode, me and Tanya are doing a question and answer uh, podcast, and we're giving that away. So it's about a week away, maybe a little less. So get them in. And as always, Avery Adventures is brought to you by Mountain Ops. Get 20% off by using the code FATKID at mountainops.com. You're never ever going to hear from me that you uh, need to buy this supplement or that supplement or work out this way. That's just not my jam. But if there is one item I would tell you guys to try from Mountain Ops, especially if you're going backcountry hunting or exerting yourself, you know, hunting is to try their Ignite. That's probably the one thing that I can say that everybody that I have talked to that has taken it has noticed a difference. So do yourself a favor before your next hunt, buy some Ignite in any flavor and give it a shot. Okay, today on the podcast, we have Brendan Weaver from Maven Optics. It's not Mavens. I always say Mavens for some reason. It's Maven Optics. Maven came on the scene in 2013. They're one of the first or I think the first optics company to have direct uh, to consumer sales market, kind of cutting out that middleman. Uh, it allows them to uh, get a higher quality glass in your hands for a cheaper price to the consumer. He's here today to announce their new C.1 binocular. It's an entry-level binocular. He's also here to kind of go through the history and what sets Mavens apart from other optics companies. So here's Brendan. Brendan, you got to tell us uh, a little bit about this 4th of July uh party you have going on down there in Lander? Well, it's, Lander's, a, Lander's a, a crazy town on the 4th. There's um, a great parade, um, open container, law, um, everybody has fireworks. And so it's, a, it's about a week-long party. And we have a huge party at our house. We have about 200 to 300 people come. Um, I smoke uh, pork butts. I have about 14 ready to roll starting tonight and then smoke those for about two days. And so we have, we just have a ton of people that come and and there's a lot of people that come to Lander. It's just a great place to be on the 4th of July. So is Lander, what's that? Is Lander, what's the big, what's a major town by Lander? What's the next, the biggest population base next year? Um, we're, we're very, very close to Riverton, which isn't a lot bigger. Um, I guess as far as kind of letting people know where we are in the state is we're about two hours west of Casper, about three hours southeast of Jackson Hole, um, kind of right in the middle of the state, right on the Wind River Mountains. Huh. So the Mavens started and built and all came from Lander, Wyoming. You've always been there. That's where it's always been based. It's where it started. Yes. Yep. So Maven, as a as a company, like you said, launched launched about five years ago. Uh, a year years worth or more of product development. Um, but yeah, we all live here in Lander, and so this is you know I, I think with with businesses these days, it as long as you're doing certain things, it doesn't really matter where you live. I mean, we all have Absolutely. internet connection, um, and so we're. You know, we're half an hour away from an airport if we have to travel for shows or, or you know, to get out of the country to do some of the product development that we do. 
but yeah, I mean, our, we live in a pretty small town. Um, and, but I think with new businesses, it, it doesn't really have an effect on you anymore. If, if you're, if you're trying to start a business or build a business that requires a, a lot of high, you get to bring a bunch of people in. It's a little bit more difficult in Wyoming. Um, you, you know, it's, it's funny. We, at the other companies that I worked with, um, that were larger, we never had problems getting the guys to come to Wyoming. It was always getting the guys wide to come to Wyoming because it's a little bit different. So, how did how did it come to be? Did you just get talking to some of your other partners and be like, "Hey, you know, there's a need for this." Like, how did this? How did it all start? So, the three of us that started the company worked together at a company called Brunton. And we worked there. I worked there for about 10 years. And during the course of that, of that time, we went from being a kind of a, a compass company, which is a very niche product. And we started expanding our product lines into um, GPS, into backpacking equipment like stoves, and also in optics. And when we started in the optics uh, business at Brunton, I was involved in that as, as far as product development and also um, the design. I'm not an optical engineer at all, um, but I spent a ton of time in Japan during that time um, working on the development of their high-end optics. And so um, I was doing the industrial design for our products at Brunton, and that just kind of transferred over into doing the industrial design of the, of the optics. But got to spend a lot of time in Japan with phenomenal optical engineers um, that had the, you know, the, the tech behind what we needed, and I supplied the look. Um, and so over the course of that time, we became very close with a, with a, a manufacturer of optics in Japan. Um, and so I think we were a little bit different in that we took the relationship very seriously. I think a lot of people go um, to to Japan, they go to China, they go to the Philippines, um, Vietnam, where all of these, you know, a lot of the outdoor products are made. And they go over and they dictate to these people, this is what we want, this is what we want to pay, this is how we want it done. And we really treated them more like they were part of our company and asked their advice. They're like, you know, it's, it'd be like asking a, someone to come and build your house and telling that guy, this is how we want everything done. When that guy builds houses every day, you probably ask him. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, he might know something. What's a way to do this? Yeah, and so they do know something, but they were never really approached that way. And so I think we built a very strong relationship with them because we trusted them. Um, and so we became friends with, with the owners of the factory, and that friendship remained after we all left Brunton. We started a different company where we were doing private label products still in the outdoors. Um, but we got to a point with that that it became obvious we were going to need some outside investment um, to cover the type of purchase orders that we were making. We were growing very well, but in the outdoor industry, you make purchases of products around outdoor retailer and shot show early in the year. And then you don't get that stuff delivered way until the end of the year. So you have to pay for that product to be made. And then you're not getting paid to have that or paid for that product for six, nine months. 
Right. And so as we grew this other company, we just got to the point where like our local banks were like, whoa, this is, we can't cover these kind of purchase orders anymore. So we went out and looked for some investment and talk about the wrong kind of people to want to get involved with. I mean, it's, it's, you know, these people have tons of money, but they want 10 times the return on their investment in five years. And it's just, you know, plus I just can't imagine waking up in the morning and, and dealing with, with, you know, somebody that that's, they're just looking at a spreadsheet every day and they're what's here, what's this, what's this, what's this. And so we made the decision that we were going to probably go a different direction. Um, and in that same time, the, the people that we knew in Japan had asked us, you know, because we went to them and we were looking as we were looking for investors in our other company. And they said, well, what about this? You guys, I mean, they really liked working with us. And they said, you know, have you ever, would you ever consider getting back into optics? And so, you know, we hadn't really thought about it, but we came up with a plan. Um, the thing that we knew we were going to have to do is do something different because there's so many brands out there. I know you see it through your mm -hmm. site, um, through your friends. I mean, it's, it's crazy the number of optics brands that are out there, but um, we knew that quality wise we could do whatever. Um, these guys make fantastic optics and, but we knew that we were going to have to do something different. We, it, you know, the, the going direct thing was just kind of taken off. And we thought that that part we could probably handle, but it was like, what else could we do? And it was funny, a friend of ours, we sat down and had kind of a brainstorm meeting and he said, well, is there any way that you could do customization? And if you know anything about manufacturing, that's a pain in the ass. You know, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do things one at a time. And so we went back to these, um, this, this company in Japan and said, what if we did something like this? And they looked long and hard at it. Um, the customization aspect I know is not easy for them um, because they do, I, like I said, I do all of it. They take those designs and our product spec and our optic spec and build this, you know, and so they build the chassis, the frame for the optical system, then bring it into the U.S. and the final assembly is done in the U.S. But it's a made in Japan optic um, because of our made in laws. It's not substantially changed enough when it comes to the U.S., even though it's put together here. Um, but they said, we think we can do it. And so that's kind of where it started. It's a, you know, sorry for the long winded story, but that's, no, that's perfect. kind of how it came about. Okay, so keeping on the, the Japanese side and not to get all down and dirty with the nerdy as far as the optics go, but yeah. two, two things that I always hear and always come up to me is, okay, you're getting your, your optics are being built in the same place that a lot of other optics companies in America are being built. What, what sets Maven apart? What's, what puts them above those same optic companies being built in that facility? Well, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of them being built in that facility. That it, it is true that there, that if you go to this place with a, a list of specs um, as a company, it's possible to get your stuff made there. We are being um, in in Japan. There's probably two different companies that can make the quality of optics that we do. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing that makes it different is it's our recipe. Okay. Um, it's it's different than what 
company A, company B, company C is doing, um, and it's built to our spec. So we know what performance grade we want it to be. We know what glass we want to use. As far as coatings, we know how we want those to perform. So we say it's got to meet these levels, these specifications. And it's like anything in manufacturing. You could say, you know, you could go over there and say, you know what, we want to build something that after it's complete is going to cost us as the brand $80. And so everything falls into line behind that. Gotcha. Or you go to them and you say, okay, we want this spec, this spec, this spec. Um, and they say, okay, well, that kind of thing will end up costing this much. And, and it, so it's like these people have the ability to make all of the pieces. Um, they have the ability to make the glass. They have the ability to do the coatings. So it's going to these experts and saying, this is how we want this product to perform. To perform. So what ends up happening is we, I mean, we want – we want the highest grade glass that is coming out of Japan. So that's very easy to spec. You know, you talk about light transmission, um, what kind of color quality that you want to have, the type of coatings. But we're not tied to the same kind of restrictions that a lot of our competitors are because we sell direct. You know, if, if you sell to a retail store, there's a lot of things. I shouldn't say a retail store. I should say a retail chain the big the big players out there because they're the real big time sellers in the in the optics industry pause there and so you'll you'll notice when you go to those places that that all the brands have their little position and so when you say when we say we just want to build the best thing we can um we have a lot of latitude there because we're not hearing from that guy that says okay, Maven, this is where you're positioned in our store. We don't have to worry about that because we can position ourselves wherever we want to be. And we want to, we want to compete against the biggest brands in the world. And perform, performance-wise on our high-end optics, we want those to compete against them. So it's, I, it's hard to find a parallel out there to say this is, you know, if you go have something built, you can say this is how much we want to spend on it. Um, but these these people in, in manufacturing all over the world, they have the, these type of factories have access to every level of performance. You know, if you go to them and specifically say, I want to build something for $500, they would say, this is what you can have. If I want to build something for $50, they'd say, this is what you can have. But our relationship with them is we work directly with the engineers and talk about what is going to push the edge of what your abilities are, that's what we want to be. We want to we want to be able to lead with that. So I don't, I don't know if does is that answer your question at all? Yes, but just so I clarify and the listeners clarify, so the other optics companies are being told by the box stores what price point they want them to come in at. Oh, absolutely. Huh? I didn't know that. And and you know and and I'm sure they'd say they'd say no, but they but if uh, if and I, I, I'm always hesitant to throw out competitors' names here and there about different stuff. But if, if one of the competitors that has occupied a certain price point in, say, Cabela's comes to them and say, hey, we've got something that we want you to sell for twice as much and compete against people that we don't usually compete with, uh -huh. they probably won't buy that product from them. They'll say, you know what? Huh. This is where we sell your products. This is where you sit. 
Now, they don't have that type of flexibility necessarily with the guys who are selling at the very high end um, because that, that for them isn't capped. If, uh, you know, if one of the other European brands came in and said, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to have a product that is now going to be twice as much. It's going to be $6,000. They can let them do that because they occupy that high end. But if these guys who are in the middle come and say, you know, we're going to, we have this product that we want you to sell for $6,000, they'd say, well, that's not where you are in our store. Right. You know, that's not the place where people come in here to buy your product. And so it's, it's, you know, and the other thing that those guys do, and that's, that's the biggest thing to me is I think the misconception or that we've been asked is going direct is, is like a slap in the face to these small mom and pop shops. Well, we, we have nothing against them on the pop shops. It's these big stores that dictate the whole optics world. Because on top of them di- dictating what these brands can do, they all have their own line of binoculars now and spotting scopes and rifle scopes. And so they take all of these ideas out there and they say, wow, we can incorporate this into our brand. I mean, you go, you go walk into Cabela's and how much, of, how much of that stuff in there is their brand? It's a lot. Half and almost now. So yeah. they actually really limit you with what you can do with them because they only want you for a certain thing or a certain price point. If you want to expand beyond that, they're not real likely to pick those items up. Absolutely. They don't have to pick anything up. I mean, I think, I think there's a little bit of a misconception whenever any brand introduces something, boom, it shows up in Cabela's. Well, yes. if they don't like it, they don't, you know, they don't have to pick it up. Right. And so they can say, but but for most of these companies, you know, a company like Cabela's, Bass Pro, that's a significant chunk of their business. So they, you know, what they say goes a long ways. And so when, you know, when you're selling direct, our companies aren't about how can we do better at Cabela's? Our companies are, are our, our um, conversations are, how can we do better for our customer? Right. You know, and right. so it's. We talk, we talk every day to the person who owns our products. Our competitors talk every day to Cabela's. And so that's, that's their concern. And I understand that. They make a lot of money there. Yeah, I mean, it really puts a stranglehold on the companies to produce different things because if Cabela's, who their main source is selling, is not interested in that product, it's not feasible for them to produce it. Well, what happens is those stores become involved in product development. Right. And so that's, that was the company that I, I was at before. When, when I was at Brunton, we were purchased by a bigger company um, that also owned another brand out there of outdoor products, knives, multi-tools. And so Cabela's would cover the product development meetings and say, oh, yeah, we like this. We don't like this. We like this. We don't like this. And so those, those products they didn't want. We didn't make. I mean, it's it's crazy. That's and so that's, but that's you know that's the way it is. They have a they have a very big say in what happens in their store, and because I mean I think between Bass Pro and Cabela's right now, it's like a hundred and seventy stores. That's a you know that's a lot of purchasing power. Yeah, it is. So they have just for shits and giggles. What what would your B ones be? If they were sold at Cabela's, what would their price point be? Well, it depends because the other thing they do is they can they can dictate margin. And mm-hmm. so if we said, you know, we we sell right now, we sell our products at what would 
be the wholesale price. So our B1 sell at $900. So strictly speaking, that, that binocular, because Cabela's, we would sell it to Cabela's at the same price we would sell it to you. So $900, they would double that. They would sell it for $1,800. Yeah, and I think that part gets lost in translation a lot on where your caliber of optics come into the fold. Because I, 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 I see you as a high market or high, you know, top tier glass. But if people, you know, people, especially people that don't do their research, which they're still out there, they see it. Well, that's a $900 pair of binoculars. That's no better than brand X. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's part of our responsibility to educate. That's why I love talking to you guys and talking to other people that, that um, have a voice for brands like us um, is because forever everything was compared by what the final price was. Right. But that, that, that is changing now. You know, companies are changing that. When I don't sell to a store, I can still sell for the price that I was selling for anyway, but I just, I cut that person out, which is a huge benefit to my customer. Absolutely. So, so Cabela, and I, I hate to pick on, it doesn't matter if it's Cabela's or Bass, right. whoever, those guys would, would, would try to really push my cost to them down. And so more than likely, if I'm trying to sell them something for 900, they say, you know what, we can't buy it for 900, but we'll buy a huge quantity and you've got to sell it to us for 700. <laughs> and so, and so, I mean, but that's, that's just the way the business world works. And it's not just optics. It's every product. Mm -hmm. It's every product in those stores. But the thing I think that bothered me was how often you know, they become involved in product development, but then the things that you talked about ended up showing up in their brand in their store. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, convenient. Oh, and, and, I, yeah. I see how. And that they've done that at every every product line, not just optics. They've ripped off tons of different actual companies' great products. I think that's why I don't shop at Cabela's anymore. Yeah. They did. I think they did a great job expanding the the hunting industry and making making that stuff. Um, the people when they came out with their catalog. I mean, right. that, you know, I think when my parents grew up, it was like the Sears catalog was there. Everybody went to buy yeah. their, their Christmas present and stuff. Cabela's was like the next evolution of that. When you got that Cabela's catalog, I mean, that thing was, I mean, that thing just got worn out. And it's so like their catalog business was huge yeah. and it changed the hunting industry. And but I think, I think it's, I think it's kind of gone a different direction from there. The thing that pissed me off about that catalog is Tanya knew how much money I spent if I got that hard bound one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. We always know. We just let you think and that you're pulling a fast that, one over us. Like the black Cabela's credit card when that showed up and you're like, wow, you really are a special customer. <laughs> it's the same thing with the Victoria's Secret cards. You know, you get upgraded. Oh God, I, I use my Victoria's Secret card like crazy. Right. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying when your wife gets her cards and they're different colors, same deal. Oh, man. You, you guys aren't special in your little lies. Oh, man. That hurts. To, to, to <laughs> Ryan's special. You thought you were really tricking her, didn't you? Hope she yeah. don't listen to this. So the staying a little nerdy for a while longer, glass or coatings? Everybody says, oh, you got to have shot glass or you got to have – this coatings or does it matter what matters yeah glass or coatings which is more well it's i mean if you have a if you're using a an inexpensive glass coatings can't fix that 
But if you're using a very high grade glass and use no coatings, the the amount of light transmission goes down. And so it's it it'd be like like pizza. We're gonna talk about pizza. Yeah, I'm gonna get hungry. You've got you've got the crust <laughs> and you've got the toppings. Yeah. So if you just have the crust, you got breadsticks. If you got the toppings, you just got a big pile of crap, you know? You gotta put those things together to make pizza. And if you don't have one, it's just not a pizza. And so it's, man, this is high tech, right? <laughs> the, and so you can't, you've got to have a high grade glass. So that's what, you know, that's what is different about um, where we play, um, is that with our, with our high end stuff, is that we're using a very high grade glass. Um, but on top of that, we're using very high quality coatings and the coatings keep it, keep it from the light, you know, the very, very simplified story is the coatings keep it primarily from the light bouncing off of those glass surfaces and going back out the other end. They allow that light to keep coming through. Now you've got the external coatings that, um, you know, on the very outside of the, of the optic that make it easier to clean. Um, keep them from scratching, but internally it's primarily to keep um, the light from reflecting out so you get a better light transmission. Now it also affects um, the colors. Some binoculars you'll see are a little bit more blue, some are a little bit more yellow, some are a little bit more red, and that's dictated by the company saying this is kind of where we want to sit. This is, that, this is what we want our optics to look like. Um, we prefer what we kind of call internally is a flat light coating so there's no higher reds or no higher yellows no higher blues that those colors look accurate when you're in the field one of our competitors feels like having a red kind of look to the to the field highlights um movement and animals i don't believe that but they do and so they prefer that look um, so that's, you know, the, the tech talk with coatings and glass. I see it a lot on, on, on the forums. Um, but I would say the most important is probably the glass because you just can't take a very cheap glass and put a ridiculous amount of coating on it or as far as dollar-wise, right. ridiculous amount of coating. You're not going to fix that. Um, but I would say it's like, it's like, like I said, it's like a pizza. You, you can't have one without the other. You, you need to have them both. And the you know, the, the way the industry is going, I think it won't be too long before um, plastics start outperforming glass. Really? And it'll, it'll, it'll lighten the, the products tremendously. I mean, cut the weight in half because that's where the weight is in the products is the amount of glass in there. Because there's so many developments happening with, with um, plastics all the time. And they're easier to control. They're cheaper to manufacture. Um, I think that you'll start. I think every company out there is working towards being able to have a plastic lens that is better than glass. How long before you think that'll happen? Um, I don't know because it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Everybody has talked about, oh, if you've got to have this kind of glass. So I think consumers have been a little bit brainwashed by, oh, if you don't have this kind of glass, it doesn't perform. Well, if that company comes out and says, you know what, all this stuff we've been telling you all along about how great our glass is, <laughs> stop thinking about that because it's plastics. And 
you know, it's going to be true. But for a lot of people, that's hard for them to sell to their customer or to sell to the store that buys it. But I would bet in the next... I would bet in the next five years that you'll start seeing that show up. And I think some companies will just try to get their, get their feet wet and they'll introduce it on something that's maybe a, a lower price uh, product that they're trying to sell and see how it's accepted. Um, for me, if we could hit that first, I, would, I, I, I could care less if we could um, come out with, the, with what we feel is the, the best performing optic out there and it has all plastic lenses. I, I would defend that all day long. I think some brands would, would – probably steer clear of that so and let somebody else do it first you just need to market it as a backpacking optic oh yeah then it's sold then it's then sold it's, you just it, it's just all about how you you know how yeah. you market it yeah That's it right. can look like you're looking through a mud puddle but shit if you put backpack in front of it it'll yeah. sell oh, lightweight ultra lightweight i know with a big starburst on the packaging <laughs> right yes for, so you got it you figured it out already for, for hardcore backpackers. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask another question about um, everybody, and, and I don't like this, but everybody touts their warranties. What's what's Maven's view on warranties? So we have a lifetime, just like a lot of people have a mm -hmm. lifetime, and ours is uh, no fault. And so if you run it over with your truck and we can't fix it, we replace it. Um, but we build our products in hopes that you never have to use it. And there's companies out there that that is when you ask, when you ask them, what's the greatest thing about your product? And they say the warranty to me, that's a little bit strange leading with our best, our best feature is that if something happens, you can get another one. I want our best feature to be that there's nothing going to happen to this. But if something crazy happened to it, we stand behind it. If it says Maven on it, we stand behind it. Um, so I believe companies build that cost into their product. Um, so if they feel like, you know, when, when somebody buys this, we are going to have to replace it twice. Consumers are crazy to think that they're not considering that when they put the price of that product on the market. <laughs> right. Um, because it's a cost to the company. Um, so we feel it is a better bet for our brand to invest in the product more and make sure that there aren't warranty issues than to say, okay, we're going to build this product for X, but we're going to account for this customer having to replace it four times. <laughs> Yeah, we don't that's, think that's, that's the best. We don't think that's the best way to go. So I agree with that. I I absolutely despise when I hear it. You know, whether it's on Rockslide, Facebook, wherever, somebody saying, "Well, their warranty is really good." Well, how about the product speak for itself, not the fucking warranty? No, I agree. It's it's and here's what here's what I think is the funniest thing to me in the optics business. Name one other product that you own in your in your world that has a lifetime no fault warranty. Yeah. There 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 aren't True. any craftsman tools. There's one. And I don't even think there are not products. There's so one. Uh, there's no products available on the market that have a lifetime no fault warranty. That was started in this optics business because somebody was like, how can we how can we add a little bit more 
to what we're doing here. Well, let's just do a lifetime no-fault warranty. I mean, it, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist, especially in a world where, I mean, the people who really use these things, it, you know, it comes into contact with the ground a lot. So there just aren't products like that out there. And so it's, it's an expensive proposition for a small brand to offer that. Right. But we think it's safer to invest more in the quality of the product to ensure that, that no one ever has to use our warranty. Well, the thing about it, that part is like when we were talking to Randy Newberg on one of our other podcasts, he brings up a really great point because he's like, yeah, that's great and all, but I can't afford for that product to break down when I'm out in the field. Exactly. Because I, it needs to work at that time. Just like if a car kept breaking down, well, even if you got to take it to the shop and have it fixed for free, how many times are you going to do that before you're going to be like, screw it, this is taking up too much time in my life and energy and I'm sorry, that just to me is insane that people are like, oh, well, yeah, I'll just keep sending it back. Well, how long does it take when you send it back? How many weeks, months? I, I mean, we've all heard those horror stories, like the whole hunting season's yeah. lost because you have to send all your stuff back to get fixed and it's, it's being repaired for months. Well, and I think you have that side of it, but then you also have the side of people who say they have a lifetime warranty, but if you send it in, it costs you $300 before you can get it back. <laughs> you know, I, think like a, <laughs> I think there's a, I think there's a, you know, if someone's abusive to our policy, we're going to let, we haven't had it happen. I've had it happen at a different company where people had knew this, you know, knew a product had a lifetime warranty. And so they sent it in 10 times because, and it was almost like they get it and then they bang it on their truck and go, I'll send it in. I'm just going to see how far I can push this. You know, we'll just say, sorry, and and not deal with it. But I don't think it's fair to um, get a product back that that had something that was not intentionally done to it and charge a you know a large amount of money. With our you know some things that we have happen is people have customization done to their product and you know they get it back and then because every camo out there has their fan club. You know, they're like, oh, I put this camo on it. Now I hate that camo. I want a different camo. <laughs> so, you know, they send that back to us. And that, you know, we charge for that. But if, sure. if something happens to the product that doesn't, you know, doesn't affect the performance, we're going to have, you know, we're probably going to charge them for it. If they send back a product that has a scratch in the rubber, that's that's not affecting the performance. But if they've got something wrong with the performance of the glass, we make that right. And we don't charge for it. Yeah, there has to be some common sense in there somewhere. Speaking yep. of camel patterns, what what was is your most popular camel pattern? I think we all could make a guess. And is it do you sell more stock or more customized camo binos? So our most popular camo by far is the Kuyu bias. Um, then it's the Cryptek Typhon. Um, I think the Cryptek Typhon is the one that is probably more, most popular across all of our kind of consumer right. spectrum from right. people that are birders to people that are hunters. Um, they just like that look. It's it nice does, looking. I like doesn't, it. It doesn't come across necessarily as a camo pattern. Right. They just like the look of it. And so, you know, the, the Kuyu patterns, the King's pattern, those are obviously, I think, to most people, a hunting camo. Right. Sure. Um, well, like I said, that's the most popular. The the Typhon is the next, um, and I think I think right now we're probably at about seventy five percent people do customs. Really? Uh, 
Yeah. Huh. Yep. But I think, I mean, if you look at it, there's, there's a couple things that make us different. One is we sell direct. Right. Two is you can customize. You know, there's other people now that are starting to sell direct. Um, I don't, they're not, to me, they're not in the same, you know, as far as performance quality, they're not selling what we're selling. Um, <clears throat> nobody customization. So I think that's a big draw to customers that we have is, is, you know, you've got the guy, I mean, we do a ton of shows and, and you've had, you'll have a guy come by the booth and he'll be a, you know, 75 year old guy who's been hunting all his life and crusty old guy. And, and he'll go, the coolest thing about your binoculars is that I can customize them. And it completely takes you off guard. That's cool. And that same guy comes up different, different guy, same personality and goes, Customization is the stupidest thing I, I've ever heard of, but I still like the quality of your product. So it's there's no there's no one single kind of identifier to us of, of the person that likes customization. Some people like it. Some people could care less about it. They just want a high quality product. And so for those people, they're getting a product that they don't have to pay a retail markup. You know, I and I tell everybody at these shows, if you want to spend a thousand dollars on a product on a binocular. You're crazy to not buy our products. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you are. It's just performance, and, and they've been out in the field long enough now where people have people who get it have tested them and go, yeah, this is where they sit. You know, so no, it's I agree. It's with a that. to me. I like that you can customize it though, because then I can have my name on my stuff, and then we don't get in a fight about. No, these exactly. are my binos. No, those are my binos. No, this is my spotting yeah. scope. No, it's clearly it's mine. You know, if you're and hunting with your spouse, that may be an issue that is worth customization. Well, the thing that I thought was interesting was the pink rings that Ryan put on his. I thought I thought for sure those were yours, but no, I guess he, I mean, see what I'm saying? Don't gender identify me. <laughs> uh, we've had some great we've had some great um uh, inscriptions on the best one so far, I think, or at least it got the most um, comments when we put it up on our social media stuff. Was a guy put on his hands off bitches? <laughs> it was like, that was for sure for his hunting partners, oh I'm sure, God, which may or may funny. not could have been his spouse. There are a couple that we've gotten that I can't I can't say on here, but that's by far gotten the most play that we put out there. So you'll put anything on there. Oh yeah, I mean it's like well, yeah, yes we will. Because I've been if to Disneyland and they won't put anything on their mouse ears. <laughs> I'm just just throwing that out there. Yeah. So I, that's great. That's good to know. That's hilarious. So that's let's talk about rifle scopes for a moment. Anything you have okay. to say about rifle scopes? If there's any in the works. I will say this: I have completed the design. Of some rifle scopes, oh. so we will we will be launching rifle scopes early next year. As far as the exact specifications, we're not we're still working on some things there. But I'll but I will say this: that they are going to be traditional hunting rifle scopes. Nice. We're not going after the long range stuff. Um, I don't believe and we don't believe that that's. Um, that's probably the best first product to come out with. Mm -hmm. um, we're we're hunters here, and and I kind of draw a line. We're 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 hunters first. We're becoming shooters, 
um, because I, I really enjoy going to the range and shooting long distances. But I, I tend to enjoy hunting more in a certain range. And I know that's, that's debated all day, every day, everywhere. Um, but that, that's just kind of where we sit. And that's where we feel our experience is um, that we can lend to the development of these things. So, you know, we'll more than likely have two. We're hoping to have three, but they will be geared more towards the traditional hunter. And that's about that's about as far down the path as I'm going to take you. Fully customizable, though, just like everything else. Um, we don't know yet because a rifle scope is very different than a binocular. Right. right. With a rifle scope, there's just not all of the. You know, with a with a binocular, you've got um, an, an armor coating on it. You've got focus wheel. You've got diopter. There are pieces on it that have to be there that lend themselves to customizing. On a rifle scope, there's no rubber over the top of it. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of um, room for customization unless you change colors. But it's so many people now out there are doing. doing that um and so we're hoping to integrate that part but but allowing someone to do it in orange or in it i'm not sure we're going to be able to do that um our our focus on those is going to be performance um gotcha. i hope we can integrate some customization um, but what we might have to do is try to figure out a way to have customization done after the product is assembled it's a little bit harder to customize in production on a rifle scope than it is on a binocular because you can have that whole internal assembly sealed up and add the customization to that during assembly. Gotcha. With a rifle scope, it's a little bit harder to do. So that's 2018, 2019, which, what are you thinking? 2018. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we'll, I think we'll be there. I think we'll be there first quarter of next year. Um, we'll have, samples to test here probably in the next month and a half that we're we feel are going to be very very solid nice well that's excited yeah that is exciting and you're smart to stay with a bigger group of people because right. long range right. hunting is a small niche in a very big market of hunters we'll get you there it is oh i <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying i'll never go there i just haven't been there um, but I have started doing some, some long range shooting. All of us have been doing that. You know, when you go down the path of rifle scopes, everybody's very interested in, in that conversation. And oh, so, so from, from rifle manufacturers that we talked to at shows are like, Oh, we got to send you this so you can try it out. So we're, we now have access to a lot of, of different rifles, but we're, we're, we're trying to stick with the, with the hunter right now. And, and not that the long range guy is a hunter. We're trying to stick to hunters that we're probably, um, at least as far as we've we've done personally, that we can associate with and understand their needs better. Nice. Right. Well, let's get to some big news that we know you can talk about. Right. So right. we saw a teaser video on the C1s. Is that what they're called? Yes. yes. What is it? Tell us about the big show. What's going on? Okay. So I, I think it requires a little bit of a backstory. Um. And what we've learned in the first, you know, four or five years of our of our existence is that, and this is one of the cool things about selling direct is there's our company is composed of four people, three co-owners, and our very first employee who does a bunch of content stuff. So we 
We are the ones who answer the phones. We are the ones who go to the shows. And so we get to have these conversations with people about, you know, when they come up and they've got a story they want to tell you, or they say, you know what, I wish you could do this, or this is what I would do better, or this is how I got my first binoculars. And it kind of happened over and over for us is that, you know, we, we launched our brand on a very expensive high-end product. And in the optics world, that's a pretty small chunk of people out there that are going to spend $1,000 on a product. But for us, it made total sense to do that because we knew we could do it. We knew we could do it well. And it, I think it also, it also builds a reputation for what your capabilities are. So in talking to all these people, it, it became very obvious to me is that there's, there's kind of two ways people come into binoculars or optics in general. The first one they get, they've either been given um, this is a binocular. They've either been given a binocular or they went out and bought something that was just very cheap just to see what, what it was about. So there's a big number of people out there who that they've got that binocular. They've never changed. That's, that's as good as they need. That's probably the biggest percentage of optics owners in the world are the ones who have the first one they ever got. They don't see any need to improve. Right. There are a significant number of those people, though, that went out with their buddies hunting, you know, and they had their $50 Tasco that they bought at Walmart, <laughs> and they go out with Ryan and his his $12,000, whatever it is, <laughs> it, and he's like, man, that dude's got some equipment. And so he tries that out, and they're like, I see a huge difference here. And so that person sees the benefit to getting something nicer. Now, rarely does that person go from $50 to $1,000. Right. That person wants to get something that's better. And what we felt is that that is dictated by kind of this price range that exists out there. You know, if you buy a $50 glass and you upgrade to a $100 glass, there is a pretty significant difference in what you see. If you go from 100 to 250, there's a significant difference. 250 to 500, still significant, but it's starting to get lower. When you start getting up there at $1,000, $2,000, you're talking in such small percentages that the majority of people don't, they'll say they know what they're looking at, but they don't. The increase in price is not necessarily the difference that you see in that performance. You know, you're looking at light transmission differences of of one to 2% to go from $700 to $2,000. Right. That's crazy. That is crazy. So, and so the majority of people can't appreciate that when they're in the field. If you took the rubber and everything off all of these optics and set them out there and these guys would say, well, this one is so much better than this one. And you said, okay, now that you don't know what the brands all are on these products, can you tell me the difference? And most people struggle. But anyway, back to the story. So we figured out that the best place for us to go next was to provide what we consider an optic that can occupy this second purpose. Because up till now, we don't have a product to, to introduce this huge part of the market out there to our brand. What we rely on is people getting this first binocular from a brand, really liking that brand, getting the second binocular from that brand, really liking that brand, and then hoping that they'll hear about us or someone will tell them about us so that 
their third or fourth purchase will be Maven. That's smart. As a small company, it's very risky to only have this very small section occupied. And so we decided we're going to try to go after this mid-range and do it very well and try to get it for a price that is not a reach for that person that already has that first binocular. So we're introducing our C1 series, and the C is, is, is because it's a classic line. It's an 8x42, a 10x42, which those two are the most popular by far. Probably in hunting, it's a 10x42. Mm-hmm. And it's going to compete against everything out there that is between $500 and $600. You're looking like a Monarch 7, uh, the Viper, that level. But – because we sell direct, we're doing it so it'll start at three twenty-five wow. for the eights That's and three fifty for the tens. Nice. And so now we've got this what a lot of people in the high-end world call an introductory binocular. I don't believe it's an introductory because I believe that introduction is that one, that first one that I talked about. Right. But we've got a fantastic product now that will get people associated with our brand in a very, very strong way. So I, we're really excited about it. Um, it gives us the opportunity to, to have something when, when, you know, these people come to the show and they say, I want the best binocular I can afford. That's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who doesn't spend, you know, 30 days out in the field, 40 days out in the field, two months out in the field, has a hard time justifying spending a grand or more on, on, an, on his optics. Absolutely. And so we feel like we can get that guy some really great performance at something that, you know, for most people, they would say, I can afford to make that upgrade. And then we hope that that guy gets out with Ryan on one of his hunts and gets to look at all his gear and goes, you know what? I think I want to go from that to something better. And we also have that. And then I think what we'll be able to do eventually is we'll say we have something even better than that because we are working on development of, of having things that are that are better than what we currently have. So it's a it's a big deal for us. So the price points again are three twenty five for the eight power and three fifty for the tens. What so, about custom? Oh, sorry, to interrupt. What about customization for those? Uh, what? Oh, nice. those are sweet. So on those, you can, like Tanya said, you can customize them anyway, just like nope. those? Nope. nope. There's none of the customization. Okay. So we we had to, to, in order to hit where we wanted it to hit uh, price-wise, we had to narrow down what the optic was. Mm-hmm. Customization is a very expensive aspect of that, having the ability to do that and having right. the, like, building, building a product – that can be assembled and customized has some prices associated with that. So this is this is the this is what the build will look like. There's no customization. Hopefully, people still like the the look, um, but that saves you a bunch of money. What about engraving? You know? No engraving. Okay. There's no customization on them. What's the specs? Take us through them. What's so eight, eight by 42, 10 by forty two. I think the thing that is really key is the weight of this. Exactly. We use a we use a polymer frame on this, so it's right at 24 ounces. Nice. So it's super lightweight. And if you compare it, so this is our B1 mm-hmm. 8x42, and that's the C1 8x42. That's a so, little guy. 
Yeah, it's smaller, but still, mm -hmm. I mean, you're looking at the same same objective lens size. Um, on the 10s, you know, what's the field of view? So, right, just a second. So, on the... Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Stop go, talking and go let ahead, him talk. Go ahead. Let the man talk. I'm going to give people a couple of the specs, and then I'm going to say, I want you to go to the website and look at the rest of the specs. Smart move. The thing that the thing that I think is key on this is we on on the C series we have a polymer frame. Now, the difference between a polymer and magnesium frame is huge in cost. Performance-wise, one of the things that you can see here, see the size of the bridge assembly on those. See how narrow it is on the um, on the B yeah. series, yeah, and how wide it is on the C series. Yep. With a magnesium frame, you can protect a, a fall because you've got it, – it's magnesium. It protects that a little bit better. And we use that because we could use a smaller bridge assembly there. We've got a larger bridge assembly, so we can protect falls or drops with a polymer frame. A polymer frame is more flexible, but it's also a much less expensive thing to produce. And so that's a big savings on this. Um, and I would say that that's one of the most important things that no customization, but we're using ED glass. Um, you're going to get a little bit smaller sweet spot with this than you get with the, with the B series. Um, our B twos have a considerably larger sweet spot, which is for hunters is key. Um, low light performance is not going to be as good as the B one and the B two, but it's still really nice. Um, I've been out the last two mornings, last three evenings with it, um, showing it to people here and it's, it's it's very nice. I think people are going to be really happy with it. We'll have the the same programs that we do through the website. Um, initially, we're not going to have the demo program because we don't have any demo units yet, but we will. Um, but spec for spec, weight, um, all of the important key things that people look for, field of view across the board. I want people to go to the site and look through it. Um, Is it threaded for a tripod? Yes. Okay. Yes, everything that we everything that we do will be threaded for tripod. And then the next thing we'll be launching in this series is a compact that's a 28 millimeter. Um, that's the one that I think um, we heard over and over. People want you know when when they would bring their kids who are starting hunting, they want a compact binocular yes. for them. Um, and the 30, the 30 and 32 millimeter objectives are almost a mid-sized binocular anymore. So this is pretty truly a compact optic. So those will probably be, um, they'll follow these by, I would guess, maybe a month and a half to two months. But So we'll have a compact 8 and a 10 and then this, this what we call a full-size 8 and a 10. So you have those two price points, 325 and 350, and you're comparing them to the, the Monarch, the 7, and the Vortex Viper. But people got to remember that that 350 is direct to consumer. If they were in a box store, they'd be considerably more. Like 7. Yeah, this would be, they'd be, they would be right up there, six, $700. Yeah, and so that's, that. that's what those guys, you know, Cabela's, I think, sells those for a little bit less. But you're, you, you, look, you look around, and those are going to be – you know, five to six hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't think I can stress that enough because I talk to people every day about binoculars and they're like, they always bring up a price point. And I'm like, well, price points ain't shit. You need to look through them. But I just yeah. want to get everybody out there. If you sold them to a box store and you were the middleman, you would be they would be considerably higher priced binoculars at all levels. 
Right. And I think, I think in the last four years, people are starting to understand that more and more. And I think people are starting to trust us because when we came out and said, this is a $900 binocular and this competes with everything out there that's $1,800 or more, they just, they didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. But you have some, I know people that you hunt with have them. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I don't hear otherwise from anybody. And so right. I think because the word is spreading about the quality, people are starting to understand that, yes, that's the level that they perform at. And that's what you should be concerned with. It's I'm not, it's not the end retail price that puts you in the category. It's the performance. And right. so we feel like we've justified the performance and the price is, it's not always half of what we compete against. Sometimes right. it's two thirds, but it's considerably less than what, someone who would have this exact same, if someone had this exact same spec binocular for however, however that could happen, if they spec'd it exactly down to the orange ring here and the silver and, <laughs> and they sold it in a store, it would be a lot more expensive. That's just the, that's just how it works. Well, and I, and I'm not into the guess test, like it runs rampant online. I've looked through, 20 pairs of binoculars. I've had seven or eight together, 10 by 42s. And um, yours are top tier. I, I don't, people every day, like I said, people ask me about those optics. And I get so tired of people telling me that this is better than the other. Well, A, it's subjective to each individual user. And yep. B, if I, if I hear the same thing three or four times from guys that I respect that I'm standing next to while we're actually looking through the optic, then you're starting to say, hmm, Maven might have something here. Right. Well, I, I, I appreciate the, the things that you've said about us because you were one of the first guys. You're, um, one of your buddies introduced me to you, and he said, this is a guy, this is a guy you can trust. He's going to be no shit about what he says. If he doesn't like what you say or what you do or what you have, he's going to let you know. And I met – it was Aaron Snyder. met him at one of the very first shows we went to. He said, hey, you should talk to, you should, you should talk to Ryan. He, he'd be a great guy to get these in the hands of. So – I appreciate you taking the time because I know you I know you can say whatever you want and I know you can use whatever you want and I know that you don't use ours every day but I do know that you use them um, and so I you know I, I want to thank you for for taking the time to really test them and for for being honest about what you found no no they're there's no reason for somebody out there looking for optics should not consider you guys in every every aspect at every level. Especially now, he had a three hundred and fifty dollar pair of binoculars, ED binoculars that competes with those the Vipers and the Monarch Seven. And I don't know how many people look through a Monarch Seven. It's a damn good binocular. So if it you're is. competing with that level at that price point, you should run away with it, man. No problem. I, I think I think they're going to do very very well. It's just I think in this, especially in your world, people think that everybody spends a thousand dollars on binoculars. And if you don't, you're just, you're not doing your job out there. It's just like, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money for somebody. Well, and they might not need them. I mean, if they hunt where some of the places we hunt, it wouldn't do you any good anyway, because you can't see past, you know, a tree in front of you that's four feet away. So there's no point in that. But that yeah. classic line I'm really excited about because of the size, I think it's going to fit women a lot better because our hands are smaller. And even like a lot of, younger like early 20s people starting yeah. out that don't have all this extra income but really are interested in the sport and want to stick with the sport and have good good quality you know gear yeah 
So I, I, I think they're going to do well. They, they really perform well. They feel nice. Hopefully people like the look of them. Um, that part's important to me, obviously, because I, you know, make the design, but that doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people that doesn't matter to the key thing is that they perform well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's the only thing that matters really. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When will they be for sale? So as I promised you when I first told you about them, they are that I was going to talk to you first. I'm hoping to have them complete everything fixed on the website as soon as I get off here with you. And so I don't know when this will air, but it's I'm going to try to get it out tomorrow. Okay, so this is Sunday. Um, So I'm hoping to have them Sunday the second. So I'm hoping to have them available um, in the next hour. Wow. Wow. That's, so maybe we need it. to throw something up on yeah. Instagram. If you throw them up, let us know. We'll throw them up on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Okay. Um, we do. I do have one, you know, kind of not serious question. There's there's three owners. Who would be the first one to get shit canned? <laughs> I think it depends on the day. <laughs> it depends who's it depends who's in the office. We have a we have a nice beer fridge where we've kind of got a. I mean, we're a, we're a pretty small operation. We've got a, a warehouse set up that we built offices in, but we've got a very nice nice beer fridge, and we have a very good friend who's a, a beer distributor here in in nice. Fremont County, which is the county. And so we always get we always have a have a fridge full of beers. And so I would say the first person to get shit canned. It depends on the day, like I said, but it's the guy who's not in the office. You know, <laughs> Thursday when we break into the beer fridge, that guy. That so guy. beer or whiskey then sounds like beer. Like, you preference. know, I've always, I personally, my, my two partners, I would say one of them is, is more whiskey. One of them, it depends what's on hand. <laughs> is it Cade? Cade. Cade depends what's on hand. Mike is a, Mike's more of a whiskey guy. I like um, Mike if, already. If Cade had to buy it, it would, it would, it would be whatever was the cheapest thing out there. Tight <laughs> you should log. try Trader Joe's. They have their own whiskey now. So if you were to go to the beer fridge right now, what beer would you bring back? I would bring back Melvin MPA. What? That's I've never heard of that. That was my favorite beer. It's a Wyoming brewery and it's fantastic. Huh. But I would say I'm probably more of a beer guy, but I've recently been trying to watch my girlish figure you're looking skinnier by the way i was gonna tell you that yes (laughs) you are you're looking a lot skinnier (laughs) i know when i sit at my desk and stare at computer and and do that all day long every day it it tends to bloat me up a little bit but yeah it's hard so i've gotten i did i used to do a bunch of freelance work and i still do a little bit of it and mostly just for friends and I would tell them that they couldn't pay me for it, but they would, they would end up paying me because most of my friends I think are whiskey guys. Gotcha. And so they would, they would pay me with really nice whiskey. So I've got a pretty solid bar full of whiskey that I've never touched. And so recently I started touching it <laughs> a bit more. Sounds a little, weird, doesn't it? but, and so it's I actually, like it's, it it's a lot better than I used to think. And plus it's, it's, you can sip it. I, I'm not a beer sipper. No, no, me neither. But yeah, and whiskey, you can get it, and it's really, it's not bloating. It's not the calories, yeah. you know. Exactly. It's not carbonated. So I'm developing a, an appreciation for it through trying to not be a fat pig anymore. And that's I hear you, probably, brother. I hear you. 
probably probably a good thing. That's a good that's a good leaf to turn over. You know, just just move <laughs> move your dependence from one to another. The problem was we have so much beer that shows up here. It's like it's like does it mean you have a problem when you say okay, I'm not having beer on these days? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a rule when you can you go to the fridge at 10 in the morning if you're having a bad yeah. day or, you know, nine, if you have a reason for it? Is it going to get a frown rules. on you? There are no rules. There's no <laughs> I need rules. a job there. No way. The best, the best thing is our friends all know that we have beer in the fridge. So if, <laughs> if they're having a bad day and they show up at 10, the challenge is, so you can't have your friend drinking beer by himself. No, right? that's rude. <laughs> It's rude. And so if, you're, awesome. if your rules that you've given yourself are like, okay, you can only have beer on days that end with Y, and they, you're like, but my buddy came in. Okay, I better break the rules this week. Yeah, I'm trying you can't to let him drink alone. I'm trying to do less of that. I really am. I bet you that's hard. It is hard. I it's love very- beer. I love beer. I can't even imagine. Like, Ryan <laughs> frowns on me. He's all judgy. So at 10 a.m., if I'm having a bad day and I crack open one, he's like, jeez. Oh. Hey, he's- beer does not – drinking beer does not make you a bad person. Okay. Okay. No. You got you to at least, at least meet me halfway here. If I'm in the basement and I'm trying to do a little coding work and she's drinking beer and she's like, you should drink a beer, your kind of coding goes downhill quickly. Well, I don't usually say really? that because I don't want to share with him. But he'll Mine come upstairs and be like, are you drinking a beer? Well, hell yeah, I'm drinking a beer. It's 90 degrees out, and I've already had a bad day. And he gets well, all I like, think, I think maybe on the creative side, <laughs> my creativity improves after I have a beer or two. Uh-huh. And so I think it's a, a little bit different than coding. Right. I think I think I get a little bit more creative. And, and so then I tell myself, man, if I was this creative on two beers, imagine <laughs> how creative I would be on four. I, I'm the same way with shooting. <laughs> really? You take your you take your whiskey to the range? Yeah, dude, it's aiming fluid, man. If you just get a few in there, that's probably I, true. That's probably I need kidding. to start. So I just started. I just um started moving towards trying to attempt to hunt with a bow. And so I used to shoot a lot when I was a little kid, and then when I in high school and then through college, I got um, an overuse injury in my right arm from throwing the football way too many times. Gotcha. And so I had shoulder surgery and, and I couldn't pull the bow back. And so I switched to trying to shoot it left-handed, which was terrible. And then I met the guy. I know you guys love Phil Mendoza. Phil's good dude. Phil is a, I just, I love that guy. He's a, he is a great, great guy. And so you know, he's got a, he's got just a beautiful archery shop down in Denver. And so we went down there and I told him my sob story about how I couldn't draw a bow anymore. And he goes, well, here, let's try this. Because I was having a hell of a time trying to switch over to shooting left-handed. Mm-hmm. And so he got me set up. And so now I'm starting to, we have a little place set up here behind our warehouse where we go out and shoot every day. And I'm a little shaky. And so I'm thinking maybe if I have some aiming juice, like you just, <laughs> because you're the expert out there. I mean, oh, when people know something, they go to you. And so I'm, I, I can just say, well, you guys know Ryan Avery, right? Oh, well, he said I need to do I'm going to so, get so much shit for this podcast. 
Yeah, we're going to get our gun or our range membership canceled. I'll be like, this is your fault. Just so all you tree huggers know out there, we're joking. Okay, This is a joke. This is what you call a joke. Okay, uh, last, we're, we're running over an hour here, but I want to say one last thing. A guy has never, ever heard of Mavens. This is his first taste of Mavens is this podcast, unfortunately. What do you tell him to buy your optics? So, Give me your pitch. Okay, so assuming they've heard the whole beginning right. of this podcast, they understand a little bit about it. But if you're talking about the product, the, the key things that make us different, like I said, is you're buying direct and it's saving you a lot of money. The performance is far outclasses anybody who's in the same price range as us. And on top of all of that, you can customize. Um, you know, I think as a brand, you always hope that people want to associate with similar people. And I feel like, like you know, and, and I'm sure everybody says this, but we try to treat these people like we would want to be treated. We've been a part of a huge company before where all of our conversations were how can we sell more of these products to these stores now i'm not going to lie and say we don't talk about how can we sell more of these products right but i think our conversations that we have at these shows are always to customers and so we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with our customers we are the ones who answer the phone if you call maven today you are going to talk to one of the owners or our one employee on Sunday, I would be very surprised if the phone is not picked up. Now, if they're all over at my Fourth of July party, we're probably going <laughs> to shut the we're going to shut the one eight hundred number down. But that's probably good. We have similar interests. We're hunters. We're outdoorsmen, um, and so we're trying to build stuff that we want to use. Um, and that's not always important to our customers. I think the bottom line is. And it's what the bottom line is to almost everybody. You get rid of all of the marketing BS and it is about the performance of the product. And it is hard to beat the performance of our product. And you cannot beat the price of the performance of our product. So I think that's what it is. You know, I, 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 we try to do a lot. Um, almost everything we do as far as advertising is through social media. So we try to give a little bit of an insight about what we're doing and what our company is through our Facebook and Instagram. And so, you know, people can get on there and see what we're about. Um, and I don't think a lot of companies are like that. I think they pay some agency to post pictures on their behalf. And um, we do all that stuff internally. Luckily we have our, like I mentioned, our first hire we ever made was a, Guy's a phenomenal photographer, and now he's learning how to do video. And so we're trying to produce all of our own content. Um, and I think that comes through. Very well said. And I've said this from early on. I think Mavens is the best bang for your buck in the optics market. And well, if, you, if you are calling them on the 4th of July, you're a loser, and you shouldn't be calling them. <laughs> and I, one thing, you got to teach him. It's not Mavens. It's Mavens. just – can you can you help him with that? I try. Mavens, it's just <laughs> Maven. So much help. I can't help it, man. I I went to school in Idaho. I can't speak and I can't enunciate and I can barely form a sentence. Uh, okay, no, Maven. Maven is the best Perfect. bang Maven. for your buck in optics. Perfect. Mavens is two Maven to get. I yeah. just think of Mavens <laughs> as a witch, and there's usually more than one witch for some reason in the back of my mind. I don't know what the hell I'm talking a about. Witch. Yeah, Mavens. I don't know. Why. 
I'm fucked up, Brendan. I don't know. Where can people find you? Mavenbuilt.com. And if they go there today, they're going to see a brand new binocular that that we're very proud of. So yeah. I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Um, no problem. Hope you guys have a great 4th of July. You too. Hopefully yes. you be safe and sane down there. Don't burn down your ground. I'll send you some pictures that you can post of what Lander, Wyoming is like. Yes. And, please. Well, you guys, we'd love to have you come, any of your listeners. We, we Lander loves to have people come to visit for the 4th of July. So I'll send you some photos um, of what our little town looks like on the 4th. So if you have anybody listen to this podcast and they show up at your door, you invited them. So I send out an invitation every year to a whole bunch of people. And on the invitation, it says, you come, you bring whoever you want. So it's every year. It grows exponentially. And tell, I just, I go ahead. Tell people the amount, the amount of how many people are going to be at your house. 200 to 300. <laughs> so I'm, Woo. I'm leaving here after I get this new binocular posted to go home and start smoking port. We do a, uh, uh, pulled pork for everybody. So I supply the, the, uh, pork, the beer, the refreshments. Um, everybody has to bring a side dish. So any of your listeners show up, they got to bring a side dish and hopefully they'll pitch in some fireworks, but we also supply most of the fireworks. Awesome. Um, that's amazing. It's a, it's a great time. So send, you please send me, text me the picture you have with all your fireworks. I want to post My that up. Boy, the boy standing in front yes. of him. Yeah. yeah. So please. This is, this this is a week before the, the thing happens. We still will. I would say probably 50% of the people will also bring fireworks of their own. So we oh have four God. stations set up in our alley Good where Lord. we shoot fireworks off for about four hours. That's awesome. That is awesome. I will send that to you as soon as we're done. All right, Brendan, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. It was nice Bye. seeing you again. Good talking to you guys. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot, you guys. All right. Bye. Hey, Brendan. Yeah. Hey, can we buy a set of those binoculars and have a contest of show your cheap binoculars on Rockside? Say that again. Can Sorry. we? Can we? We'll buy. Can we buy a pair from you, the C ones, yeah. and have a contest to give away on Rockside, saying, "Hey, show us your cheap binoculars for a chance to win a pair of binoculars." So, like the person with sure. the shittiest pair will win the good pair. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll I'll send you a pair. You don't have to buy them. Well, I don't want to, dude. You wanna- you want an eight or a ten? Oh, ten. I'll, yeah, ten. Okay, I'll get I'll get it sent out on Monday. Or, I'm sorry, I won't be in on Monday. I'll get it sent out Whenever. on. It doesn't matter. I won't start it till you you uh, have them up for a while, like a week a week or so from now. All right, let me write that down. Because uh, that'll be cool. Because there's always guys saying, "Hey, I have this," and then I think people show put up a whole lot of cheap binoculars, piss people off. <laughs> yep. No, no problem at all. All right, man. Well, be safe. All right. It's always good seeing you, man. Yeah, that was a that was a good one too. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Good deal. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah, I'll probably try to have it out by tomorrow night at the latest. Okay. All right, thanks, man. All right. See you later. Have see fun. Ya.